Welcome to If the Apocalypse Comes, Whoa, Beat Me. What's that? It's my Kermit the Frog Rules. But that's not quite right. You know which one I can actually do is Yoshi, which is just terrifying. Uh, do it. Yeah. Oh. Obviously, you have to now. I know. Watch now, I can't. I don't have stage fright. Yoshi! No, that's terrifying. I hate it's it. Really I hate my life. <sighs> Welcome to the If the Apocalypse Comes, Beat Me. Say I it as Yoshi. Yeah. No. Say, Say it as Yoshi. Please? Say it as Yoshi. I can't even. He doesn't say words. It's just a weird throat noise. <laughs> Do the throat noise again. Welcome to if the apocalypse comes, I hate you all. <laughs> you should just edit that in to every single episode. <laughs> oh my god. That's so good. Also known as whole lot of hoot, just a little bit of nanny. I'm here with my wonderful co-host, Stacia, say hello. Hello. Daniel, say hello. What's up? You know, I never say my name. My name's Kelly, by the way. Oh, guys. yeah. Welcome. It's so <laughs> nice to meet you all. I know we've been here for now. This will be the 13th episode. <laughs> we assume, we assume blankly that everyone's coming over from Sun on the Window and they just know, know who, who you I are. Am. <laughs> Don't forget to say this isn't a recap show. I know. Right, no, but it is, drop. kind this of. It's a recap show. <laughs> who are we fooling? But say this is not a recap show, except that it's a recap show. Say this is Yoshi. (laughs) This has gone off the rails. We just jumped to the Yoshi. Oh, my God. We're talking about the whole season one of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. The whole thing. The whole thing. Now that it's over 20 years ago. (laughs) This is the 90s. The 1990s in point of fact, and I can do both. And also just kind of the state of television. Uh, as it was in the 90s, we're going to talk about how Daniel's rankings over the season stack up against his previous rankings from 2013, and just whatever we kind of want to talk about. What's coming up for the future of the show, and uh, you know, how we're feeling. What's going on? All right, season one of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Let's <laughs> shake your head. Shaking her head. I, I loved it. I loved 12 episodes. We're not going to get this again. That's going to be very long. I like that as a, it's a nice intro like here you go so i've enjoyed just kind of it's a small little little world it's so impressive that even with 12 episodes they cram so much filler in there so much (laughs) they found a way (laughs) they yeah but i also found that it was nice because i think this is the first time that i've like wholeheartedly watched buffy and paid attention to everything and, and like thought critically about it in a way that I haven't since the first time I watched it, but obviously that time I didn't know what was coming. So to like see bits and pieces and glimmers of what is to come and like be reintroduced to the characters and like pay attention to that. So I found a lot of enjoyment in the season that I haven't in the past rewatchings because I've been paying attention to those things. What am I, knowledge girl now? I want to know best and worst moments of the season either worst first or best first i don't care but station what do you think um i think that the scene with buffy and prophecy girl with giles and she says i'm 16 years old giles i don't want to die was really powerful that was probably the best moment of the season for me giles i'm 16 years old i don't want to die i think the lowest point was probably I really, when I think back, and I'm not sure how I ended up ranking these, but when I think back, the praying mantis bad guy just makes me, like, kind of groan, 
and then the pack as like a general character. Dangerous and mean, right? Like Angel, your mystery guy. Well, guess who just got mean? For Xander, I think was the first point where you're just like, this character sucks, and I'm never gonna get over that feeling. Yeah, I think that's fair. <laughs> my my low point for me was the puppet dying. Oh yeah, for the sure. cheesy stabbing. Yeah, it was it was bad. I but love I'll... it for it being so cheesy. <laughs> In a way, so do I. But I have to, to yeah. fall somewhere. You know what they say? Once you go wood, nothing's as good. I think maybe one of the funnest moments was that same episode where they did Oedipus. It was great. Oh, I mean, it was because yeah, it's like, so unique. Take. Yeah, to what was going on. O ruler of my country, Oedipus, you see our company around the altar, and I, the priest of Zeus. Ha ha. They prophesied that I should kill my father, but he is dead and hidden deep in the soil. But surely I must fear my mother's bed. Oh, Oedipus, Oedipus, unhappy Oedipus, that is all I can call you and all that I ever shall call you. Those are mine. What are what's yours? Your, what's your best? My best? I mean, I have to agree with the, Prophecy Oedipus Girl. Thing. Uh, no, no. Oh, well, no, I love that, but Prophecy Girl is probably the most profound moment of the whole yeah, series so far because they, they, they reach those heights again, but they... But this is one of those rare moments where it just transcends everything. It's beautiful. It's art. Yeah, it's my favorite for sure. Yes. I don't know. I don't know about my worst actually. It's <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of worse. There's a lot of bad. Uh, but not just because there's a lot of bad. But there's like I don't know. I guess I didn't hate anything so much to the point that it uh, sticks out of my mind. Give me one second. I'm gonna look at my worst episode and try to remember. I'm sure there's something. Puppet show packs. Um, the anointed one. Robot you, James. Oh, that's it. Thank you. The anointed <laughs> one. Oh my god. And I was like, how do you forget your rage? <laughs> oh you my visibly god. groan every time he's mentioned or is shown on screen. Plop. <sighs> Plop. Yeah, the anointed one is the worst thing ever. What about um us saying he's a honey over and over again? That's also good. the worst. Also, also the Giles, the Rupert Giles. Yeah, okay, so if I'm going to pick a worst thing of the season, it's the two of you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Saying shit just to upset. If I could just do a season by myself, this would be great. <laughs> well, maybe next year you'll get your wish. Maybe the Rupert Giles hour is about to kick off. No. Anyway, yeah, the Anointed One's the worst, and I think we're all definitely in agreement of the Prophecy Girl. I don't uh, really care about the Anointed One. Oh, bodies, yes. Yeah. No, but yeah, that was that was a high. I think it's interesting to think about Buffy in 2017 versus 1997. So 20 years later, Buffy is very much a part of the TV becoming what it is. And to pretend that like the Soprano, Six Feet Under, all of that, and not to include Buffy is kind of disingenuous. It's absolutely there. It's very light serialization at first, but it, it definitely gets better. But I just had a couple notes here that I just want to sort of like read and see what you guys think. So... I feel that Buffy in 2017, if, like, say, Netflix was going to take it on, I feel like it would exhaust itself pretty quickly. And Buffy exhausts itself over the course of seven seasons, I feel, but it doesn't do it right away. I feel like if this show did not make it past this season, season one, everyone would look at it now and say, why didn't you delve deeper into lore? Why didn't you bring Dracula into this? Why didn't you do that? Obviously, they do. Fine. (laughs) Season five cool but when you're on season one i feel like that would that would indicate to me that you've run out of ideas if the show didn't survive that would be i think people's first instinct of saying that you didn't go lore enough but i feel like the beauty of the show is that it didn't do that it never went into that it was always about the characters and so i love it in in a sense 
It's weird to look back on now, knowing that seven seasons are there. But it's tough if it was only one year. If it was like a freaks and geeks type of scenario, where you could always maybe hope it comes back or whatever. But these people moved on with their lives. I mean, this is rough. If if there was nothing else, what a weird show this would be. Well, I think that maybe, and I know neither of you have watched it, but like Supernatural is the current Buffy. My sister loves that. Because they go a lot more into the lore and that kind of stuff, and it's definitely the same idea of we fight demons and bad guys, and that's just what we do, and we drive around the country, and that is just our job and our lives. Well, that's been going on for fucking 15 years now, right? I mean, that's crazy. I think it's been 10. 10. They're on their 10th season now, still filming. Still, that's insane. So I think that if you want to look at how would today's world handle Buffy I think you could look at Supernatural and draw a lot of conclusions that's, I think that's pretty fair from that. that's fair yeah I think so too I've never watched the show but from what you know what I've heard of it, it I mean it but starts off the- very much like Buffy like sort of monster of the week I mean I think that Supernatural is like closer to Angel it's a lot darker in tone Whereas Buffy is more probably more consistent, and like you said, too. Or yeah, like... but I think that if you took Buffy out yeah, of right. 1997 and put her in this Today. year, I think she would be a lot darker. Well, and see, she would yeah. be Jessica Jones. Well, yes. my immediate note was that I said that she would be a part of like a Marvel series or or a Justice League. You know, if she was on the CW now, I don't. I just don't know that the the environment would would say, "Cool, we just have this vampire slayer." woman 16 year old girl who's fighting the the evil you know like it's so it's so quaint at this point where you have to have like 14 different like stops where you're gonna hit on yeah where's your 50 years of comic book history and yeah, so that i think is why buffy excels and why it stands out I agree. then and now because we it's a character driven show it is. we don't focus on the lore of the world of pop culture of history we focus on the lore of our characters we yes. focus on we go deep dive into angel's past we go in a deep dive and uh spike and, and just so many characters some of the, so many of the big bads and they're all original characters a point in buffy's favor that i like going back to supernatural is that supernatural i don't think necessarily makes up most of its monsters i think they're usually rooted pretty heavily in like you know superstitions or lore or something whereas buffy makes up a lot of their monsters but buffy even though they use religious trappings like the holy water and the crosses and even the masters trapped in an underground church that's like collapsed that's where he's supposed to be they don't ever take it to a religious angle they never like question it does god exist where is god but supernatural goes there, and they have angels and demons, and like right, takes it to that full yeah, level they... of Satan's messing around with people. And where is God? He's just missing. He doesn't exist here. Well, one of the characters dies and like goes to hell. Yes. and like, hangs out with the devil. Yeah. and then another an angel comes down and mm-hmm. hangs out with the other guy. Yeah, and they meet in a barn. But I, you're right. It turns I, me yeah. off immediately. I have no interest in that. that I know. That I know. Was I kind I, of when no I stopped interest. watching, I just kind of lost interest when like Satan started becoming a character because I don't really care about religion. I'd watch it with my sister. But so Buffy but never Buffy never examines that. No, they never say they why are vampires allergic to crosses? Why can't which you I touch love holy water? Which, which I, I love. think is really nice. Yes. Yes. But the they most do. we like. We touch on saying hell dimensions and that, and we yeah. we have the little bit of religious stuff with the crosses and the, but the whole water, but that hell, is as deep as we really go. Yeah. The hell dimensions they don't even seem to necessarily be in reference to like a Satan. Yeah, it's not so like a it's Christian just, hell, right? It's yeah. just like a bad place to be, and right. that's how they're don't because Glory is a hell god, right? Right, right. And she's obviously not Satan, so there's multiple. I mean, yeah, she's a god, but like 
it's yeah it never gets to that question of yeah you know like the christian god any of that which i like and i think yeah. it's nice that they just took on the trappings of like the vampires and they're like okay vampires this these are what we're our rules they can't be in sunlight they can't touch crosses they can't touch holy water probably right. eat garlic i don't know i uh, bet buffy eats pizza with angel who knows right but that's it and we're just gonna forge ahead (laughs) well no i like that and that's that's my ideal show a little bit of lore but mostly just like we're cool with whatever because the story is supposed to tell us what's happening and when she gets a bazooka out to shoot fucking whatever is like the judge love it like that's good that's when you got a good tv show when you got bazookas out that was pretty funny which i love that's amazing. So, yeah, I mean, for me... No weapon forged. Yeah. <laughs> played by the same guy who played Luke in the very yeah. first episode. There you go. So, yeah, I mean, my final thoughts on, like, Buffy itself is that I said that um, Joss Whedon, uh, you know, it's it's weird to look back on him 20 years later. I feel like his instincts were, in, in a lot of ways, correct in what he was doing with TV and what we come to expect from TV. He certainly subverted what he needed to subvert and he propelled what he needed to propel. The show is more than just Buffy being like, uh, Buffy's a woman. Uh, The show is feminist because Buffy is there. I feel like the show is still funny. It's still very dated, more so year by year. And I also feel like it's problematic year by year. It gets worse and worse. Um, None of that, it doesn't, it diminishes the show in certain ways, but I think that it makes it, it also makes it better because it makes people talk more about what is going on with someone like Xander. I think that's a good point that at, every year that goes by, it gets worse. The more it, problematic the show is. But would we be having this conversation in 1997? No, because we were not. No. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, point one. But, point one. But uh, we're other people. And I'm sure, of course, there's always going to yeah. be those circles of people who are like socially conscious and just like, on the up and up that would have poss- probably been having these conversations. But, uh, I mean, even watching it as the years went on, when I started actually watching the show in the third and fourth season, I, I, di- I didn't pick up on any of that. Xander used to be my favorite character. Like I never really thought about that. Never would have thought about that. But now, yeah, it's, it's, that's why I fucking love the show. Right. Because it, it, the show does inherently transcend any of those things because it's not just about how problematic someone like Xander is. You can write off an entirety of character of Xander or you can say whatever about Buffy or what, but on some level, there's something that's always, you're going to find the water will always find its way through at least so far. I mean, until this show is completely written off as some dead entity, it's great. It's still great. We're still talking about it. There's a podcast that we are doing that hundreds of other people are doing about this show. Every time you grow up and you, you, you sort of re-examine these characters over, you know, every you know, three, four years, five years, you have a different take. That's because it, that's the nature of having a static thing that you measure your life against kind of. It. That's why I love doing it because yeah. I change. Really, the the worst part about the show is that the yada yada things that they didn't know 20 years later, people would be concerned about. You know, like, I, I, I don't think he ever thought about um, the in nightmares, you know, like him being like a deformed person. Mm. And, and just calling it like a monster like i don't think that even crossed the mind yeah yeah you know it yeah. wasn't intentional it wasn't anything it's just like 
cool. That's just the way it is because all monsters are basically human-esque in a way. But, but it's even on larger levels, the fact that yeah. he doesn't have any characters of color and when he introduces nope. Kendra, she And those are dies. never. And she's a fucking caricature to begin with. Well, and I think that even yeah. Joss Whedon's spoken about that, but still, that's inexcusable. And there is almost no way to take that back. And in reality, that almost makes this also very interesting of a show. I would in that also it's very say much a part of its time. On an even greater level, Joss Whedon gets so much praise for being a feminist most of his writers and his staff were men like not even most of his 50 percent, but like 90 percent of the people working on the show were men if he was a true feminist he would have given the jobs to women but like that didn't even occur to him either these aren't yeah no 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 we're in a weird moment too because the the handmaid's tale Mm -hmm. which is out now is show the showrunner is a man but most of it is mm-hmm. like he he made a conscious point to have women writers and women directors, mm-hmm. um, which is something that would not have happened yet in 20 years well, ago. Something that I think is really interesting. I, I haven't watched it, though. Read an interview. I, oh, yeah, example, just the okay. first one. I still haven't done it. I've heard bad things from oh, no. people. I love but... Elizabeth Moss. I can't. I just have to do it. I want to watch the rest of it. But anyways, I read an interesting interview with Aziz Ansari, and he was talking about the second season of Master of None, which is brilliant. So good. Talk about Master of None. And he was talking about the probably most emotional episode they've had, which was Thanksgiving. Right. And he asked, um, I I can't think of her name, but the actress. Yeah. Who plays Denise. Who plays Denise to write it with him. And he said, I want to do this right. I want this to feel real someone from the 90s wouldn't even consider that is now something that even when you are a minority it's still you can't represent all minorities like just having aziz do it isn't enough like he needed the woman who plays denise to do it he needed these other women to chime in to make it authentic and real and to represent it in the way that it needed to be and joss does not have that in buffy and i think buffy suffers because i think if you had more women working on that show it would be a stronger representation of feminism even just by accident than by how it happens. Yeah. So. I think that's a great take. Or any people of color, maybe there would have been more than one Toby well, character exactly. season after but season one. I'm just saying he's not praised for being like a great diverse writer right. for this, but he is praised for being a feminist for this. And I'm saying he's not acting as a feminist. Right. And if he had done that, more so than just my main character is a blonde girl who's weak but actually strong. Perfect. <laughs> so can you give me a little bit more context about TV in the 90s? What were the big shows right oh around God. that time? Do you I know? Mean, it would have been Friends. I don't know. Well, yeah, Actually, Friends was really definitely going know. strong. They would have been um, in their, like, fourth season at that point. Cheers point. would have ended, I guess. I mean, that would have been, but like... You, Sopranos. When did Sopranos start? What Sopranos started in 99, so... Grace and... What is it? That's Will and Grace. Will and Grace. Would have, would have been going... Maybe I don't know. I think no, it was the '90s for sure. So it would have been around now. And I mean, this is the end of the '90s. Roseanne, I think, ended in Dawson's 90 Creek. Something. Yes, Dawson's, Dawson's Creek. That would have been another like WB. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I think these were just starting. Uh, Roseanne, I think, was just ending, ending. or had already ended. I think it started in '88. And I don't actually, think it, it didn't go to like no, no. It went to '88, and it was like seven. No, no, it was nine seasons. So oh, okay. they made it to the '90s for sure. But yeah. Oh, yeah, ninety. Yeah. Around now, yeah. And then when did uh, Oz start? So Oz, yeah, Oz actually, I mean, in one of my little snippets here, they started now, basically. And I think Oz, Sopranos gets all the praise, but Oz was really the first The first HBO show. The reason why HBO is Mm -hmm. the network it is is because of Oz. Yeah, and a lot of those stars made their way onto, I think a couple made it to Six Feet Under, 
it made it to Sopranos, you know. But yeah, I think Oz started it. And and that's why it's weird with Buffy, because I think Buffy is so important to television as we know it. I thought this stuff would make me feel younger. All I feel is old and tired and hungry. Man, maybe this is how we got fat. <laughs> Nobody loves me. <laughs> oh, hi, Jackie. We thought you, you went home. Look at me. I got nothing. <laughs> no boyfriend, no meaningful job, no husband, no family. It's just me. It's, it's just me and my ganja. Sound like somebody's coming through the front door. You must be a paranoid, Dad. Birds, birds, birds. Don't you hate that way you're stoned? I don't like it any time. <laughs> now, don't tell me you didn't hear that. Is this the sink? Am I shrinking? to the show we love the show we the royal we or you, we, or you the three of us the three of us and the royal we we all love the show <laughs> we love buffy why are you listening to this if you don't love buffy but i think that a lot of the emotion we bring is hard to separate yourself from like i love willow and so when i see willow being sad i'm very much bringing seven seasons of willow sadness and all of the emotions that i have in the world to willow it's tough it's tough to divorce yourself from what's to come that's why this is not a good podcast for someone to listen to if you've never watched Buffy because A, we're spoiling everything, but B, like, I don't even know what that's like. I don't even understand because when I see Willow in episode one, I'm thinking about season six. I'm thinking about season eight. I'm thinking about the comics even. I can't, I can't divorce myself. And I don't know how you do that. I don't think we can. I mean, I think that's the nature of watching something multiple times. I don't think we get to anymore. Which is good and bad, because again, that's a measure of growth. You it can is. reflect on how you viewed the show before, how you're currently thinking about it. You can think more critically about it, think about it in the context of today's world. Uh, but I don't think we get to, I don't think we get to be disappointed, or I don't think we can stop ourselves from being disappointed in these characters that haven't gotten to where they're going to go yet. It, no, it's true. I can't be mad at <laughs> <laughs> fucking Willow for not meeting Tara God. right now. Oh, yes, I can. Kelly can. <laughs> yes, I can. We're going to float the rose, then use the magics to pluck the petals off one at a time. It's a test of synchronicity. Our minds have to be perfectly attuned to work as a single delicate implement. Cool. And it should be very pretty. Where do we start with Buffy in this season? She's coming to a new school, doesn't have any friends. And then she ends with friends. Ooh, thinks she's not the Slayer anymore. Oh, yeah, she does think that. When she gets to Sunnydale, she's like, no, 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 I did that that. in L.A. I don't do that anymore. Right. And then they got her birthday wrong. (laughs) 
yes. consistently. <laughs> and then she becomes a slayer and she's good. Maybe a little mentally disturbed. Buffy definitely has the the biggest growth of the season, I think. Uh, her and Giles both actually, and that's got to be intentional, right? You're the like the eponymous the character. character. Like it's about you. Eponymous. <laughs> she starts off as somebody who wants to sugar responsibility. She thought she was done. She did her big whatever blowing up of the gym. Right. And she's starting her new life as a regular regular girl. That's the theme of Buffy's arc. Is I'm just a regular girl. Oh, but I actually have the weight of the world, which is another name of an episode. The second to last episode of uh, season well five done. on her shoulders uh and she owns it by the end of the season she's fully owned like this she is does. the price that i think you know every slayer has to pay at one point or another is to save the world to save other people you have to die and for somebody if you really try we mentioned this throughout uh this podcast because it's really relevant to try to actually put yourself in this like to, to divorce yourself with the funniness of the, the campiness and be like this 16 year old person is facing mortality daily, but also on a huge scale. And she comes, she meets, it It takes her a little bit to, to get there in the last episode, but she does. And then she's, she's there forever. Like she's at that level of maybe that's going to happen. And I'm okay with that. And I'm ready for it. And that plays out for the whole series, which is incredible. So I think she she definitely has the most growth. Yeah. Her and Giles and Giles too. Like Giles was the dumb one. She was the one solving everything. And I feel like, finally slowly it started to shift and then they finally let (laughs) fucking Giles have his codex and be (laughs) the master of all information and that was interesting too when he was able to slowly understand that like he was just obsessed with books and yeah he he had to let Buffy go he watched her die if you will in nightmares that was his nightmare he starts off like uh, Wesley does in season three which makes total sense they're the the same uh, archetype right Mm -hmm. Um, where he has theoretical knowledge of his job. He has theoretical knowledge of what it means to be a watcher, what those duties entail, how you're supposed to be the guardian and mentor and, and kind of just like uh, protector, but, but uh, teacher of this person. The, um, and he has no idea how to do it. As he, he had an idea of what the Slayer supposed to be, more of a Kendra type. I think he was expecting somebody like Kendra who had been reared from birth who knew what her duties were, who, who knew that it, her responsibilities and how to do that and was trained and knew all the, the kick flips and all the things. And he gets there and it's this person who is like this, I don't know, valley girl, right, model of, of this person who doesn't speak in proper English and, and doesn't listen and doesn't know how to do kick flips and, and he's just not ready for it. And by the end of the season, he's not only, you know, he loves Buffy, definitely cares about her a lot and he understands that he can't do it the way that he was taught to do it, but that's okay. And that and that ends up being a theme for him. And through the rest of the series, the, the biggest takeaway for him is that it's okay however it gets done as long as we do the right thing and take care of each other. And he figures out that there's more than one way to do the right thing. And that's right. the he ends up standing up to the council, which is everything he's yeah. ever known his whole life. He's worked for these people and it's supposed to be this way. And he's like, you're going to make an exception for her because she's worth making the exception for. And that's his, his role for the rest of the season is yeah. like, no matter what I'm loyal to Buffy. I love Buffy and I'm going to make sure I give her everything I can and fuck anybody who doesn't want to do that. And even when it means doing the hard thing and saying, I can't be here anymore. I am stunting your growth. The best thing I can do for you is leave. And he does it, and it's fucking sad. And then that's, you know, Giles is the best. 
Well, this this is a rousing hour of the uh, Rupert Giles hour. Well, Thank you for <laughs> something that's interesting about Giles is that you get glimpses of his past as Ripper, and he's clearly like a rule breaker, like womanizer, kind of all around like punk badass that like I feel like every awesome. dude would want to be or embody Spike's like, best friend. And yeah, <laughs> yeah basically. he would be Spike's best friend if he hadn't kind grown up into secretly is. Giles, comma the librarian, but like they never show you why he became the librarian like what shifted him to become this like ultra responsive like just age responsible like very buttoned up person but buffy kind of like not to a crazy extent but pulls him back towards the ripper stage like and you see flashes of him being a badass especially like that moment in season six where he comes back and he's like willow you're not doing this and i'm stopping you like he is so incredibly badass in that moment and that was like ripper coming through like that was his past self and everything i think that he learned from buffy was the only thing that let him do that because giles in season one could not i'd like to test that theory I mean, not that Willow could do that either, but, like, Dryles could not face something like that with that level of confidence. Like, at that point, he has also learned and grown from where he started, even though it's almost like he's yeah. going back into his teenage years. You get, like, little glimpses of it with yeah. Pepsi Girl, where he's, like, telling people what to do. He's very mm-hmm. assertive. That's a Giles that I know. I love that Giles. I think my favorite moment with the two of them is in season five. When he's like, you're going to kill Bon. And that's what is fucking happening. Yeah. And she's like, ah! <laughs> I am the law. Now that's another episode. But that's pretty great. Anyway. So uh, Xander took a rough course. Is a shit bag. Z- Xander well, was very much supposed to be uh, the weird foil to Buffy. Where it's like, he loves Buffy. Buffy doesn't love him. And it, it reached its logical conclusion. I'm really glad we didn't actually give in to that. I'm glad that there wasn't... There, there was already too much of... The dynamic of Xander can't fucking get over himself. He's being a nice guy, and this is the worst. I'm really glad that we're not going to do much, a whole lot more of that. Even though he doesn't get over his feelings, and we still get glimpses of it, I'm just glad that that's over. So as far as growth, I don't think he really gets any. He gets told, no, you don't get this one thing that you want, but there's no actual independent... I'm learning from my experiences on Xander's behalf that I can really think of. Well, because certainly never not in the show. No, no. So yeah. far. he's so in no. denial. Like the Pat could have been a moment for him to grow and say, I'm sorry for the way I treated you. And he didn't do that. And so he lied about remembering. He chose Correct. not to and continue on in the same manner that he was before as if nothing had happened. And I think that's kind of epitomizes his character in season one. Like he continues to do that. Even when he gets rejected by Buffy, he blames Buffy. He doesn't think about circumstances or why maybe he is the reason that she's not interested it's angel's fault it's buffy's fault it's not my fault yeah i can't grow or learn you should know better (laughs) i didn't think i'm sorry it didn't work out for you i'll see you on monday that's okay i don't want to go just gonna go home, lie down, and listen to country music. 
the music of pain. So Xander, I think, has the least amount of growth. Willow is not in the show enough for me personally. <laughs> Willow is a weird. I think she's gotten. A, I think that she's gotten quite a lot stronger. To but be she honest. does have growth. Yeah. From season, by the end, from, I, from episode yeah, one, she totally. was mousy. The um, Cordelia told her to get out of the way for the water fountain. And at and the she was end, like, Cordelia and her are friends. Yeah, if and you then, will. Yeah. yeah, and then Cordelia is like, "You need to set up my sound system." And she's like, "Whatever," and walks away and isn't worried about it, and says no to Xander. Like for the first time, is like no Xander. See, I think that's a, even a bigger testament to how shitty Xander is because Willow got less screen time and Wait, yet had yes. more growth than Xander did when he had all of the opportunity to. So Willow I think Xander dead. over the course of the whole show doesn't get much growth. Yeah, I mean, he really is very stunted. He has, he obviously he has makes his more moments. choices over and over again. The way he treats Anya is oh, yeah. the way he treats Cordelia. Is the way he treats Buffy. Like he hasn't. But but on some level, the thing with Xander is like he is no archetype that you should aspire to. But he's not an uninteresting character, and I think that's why people obviously so watch the show. I like him. I think he's very interesting, even in the mistakes he makes over and over again. It's like if Buffy was making him, they would still it would all be interesting. You know, people who make mistakes over and over are compelling characters because I think we do not that. if they make the same mistake. But we make those mistakes. We do that as people. See, that's very human. They all make mistakes. They all make poor choices. But Xander can doesn't grow and change. Like that's 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 the the biggest thing for but him. But I think is that's almost doesn't grow and change. But do we maybe not think that's the point? Xander is a stuck in time weirdo who's gonna fucking just be like some because everybody sees him as the voice of the of the audience or whatever. But isn't it? Isn't it more interesting where he's like the voice of the audience in 97, but not the voice of the audience now? <laughs> in 2003 or in Yeah, no, no, very much so. Like, he's very stuck in his time. He's just so stagnant. He's a stagnant character. He doesn't go after anything he wants. He finally gets Anya. They propose, but he doesn't even want to tell his friends because he's not ready to get married. And then when they're going to get married, he leaves her. He doesn't go to college, even though he could have. He gets a job kind of by accident as a carpenter. And then that's mostly his function. Like, he doesn't want anything he doesn't go after anything he all of the other like... characters have wants and needs and they go for them and that's where the conflict comes from but xander just exists but he's I just like in the background i know so many xanders yeah well he's, but that's not like... a good tv character he's every mediocre straight white guy i just exist and i'm upset that i'm not just getting things i should just be getting things because i am straight and white i should just be I, and male i'm straight white and male i should just be getting things that i want but he doesn't, and so he's just bitter about it and takes it out on his friends. Yeah. Totally. Xander is such a whiny character because he's like, oh, Bobby gets to be the Slayer. Oh, Willow's a witch. Oh, he doesn't recognize they're tied to those identities. Buffy can only ever be the Slayer. She's not going to live a long time. She's not a Slayer. She's going to have she's a short and brutal life. Like, even though she's lived longer than most Slayers, like, she's not growing old and she's not going to be 70. She's going to die fighting. That's her destiny. She has to. But do we Willow, expect Xander to know this that and early? Then Willow is always going to be this person that, like, has this magic. She has to control this thing. She can never be a normal person. He can be literally anything he wants to be. He could grow up and be a lawyer. He could be a doctor, but he doesn't see it like that. He thinks, I'm limited because I'm human, so therefore I must just be the shittiest version of that. When it's like, look at Buffy. Her life sucks. It's painful and it's hard and it's sad and she's gonna work at fucking double meat palace because that's the best she can ever do that is the best she will ever do like 
and it's all to feed this thing that she doesn't even have a choice to be. But he doesn't look at, at it like no. that. Mm-hmm. He never sees the fact that, like, they struggle and they try and they work. He always resents them for thinking, oh, it's so easy for you. You're the slayer. You're stronger than us. It's like, asshole. You could have <laughs> gone to school and been a doctor. You could go anywhere. You could be anything. Buffy can't do that. Willow can't do that. Even, like, Giles, to a certain extent, like, can't do that. He has to do this thing. He's doing this. What's in the double meat nuggets? I'm working. Go away. Yeah, and you chose to be in the consumer service profession, and I'm a consumer. Service me. Order something, or go. Xander also continues this refrain of, I'm useless, I can't help you, I'm not magic. But, like, Riley wasn't magic, and he's a badass, and he's still out there, like, killing demons somewhere. He doesn't even need Buffy to do it. He doesn't need permission. He just does it. Like, if you're not useful become useful or shut up about it let it go and well, recognize he, your friends are going to go do these things and you'll be over here but he is useful he can push pu- he can push buffy up into the vent she couldn't get to <laughs> she, he shut that door in like the first step don't forget she he saved her life i mean Dead. i think he's an interesting portrait of the every man that doesn't go anywhere in his life he's basically <laughs> everyone i know in northern virginia who's never left <laughs> I mean, that's really what it is. I know a lot of people like that, too. Yeah, and I know a lot of people like that, too. And I don't hate them. I, they, I have no ill feelings toward them. But they're just never going to go. And I feel Xander's the same way. It's just like, this dude is here. And if Buffy goes off, yes, they go on spaceship rides together. Cool. That's the show. But in reality, <laughs> if there were not spaceship rides, you know, Xander would still be in Sunnydale. And I feel like Buffy yeah. would be like, I'm out. I'm going to go to Chicago and I'm going to go chill. Right. You or know. even if Buffy had never come to Sunnydale, Willow would have went to college somewhere. Uh-huh. She would have been something else. She would else. have gone to like Brown or Harvard or, or something. fucking Oxford, right? Like, and she yeah. would have never offers... met Tara, and then Tara right. would be alive. I don't know why you keep bringing and... this up. I feel like it's just, just to hurt me. I'm just saying Tara would be I'm alive, really and right Willow now. would be alive. <laughs> all right, so. <laughs> I've been um, thinking about that last spell we did all day. <laughs> you have? Mm. Well, this one should be really fun, too. We conjure the goddess Thespia to help us locate demonic energy in the area. Shouldn't be too tricky. The goddess Thespia? Are you sure we're ready for that? You and me? This is beneath us. Um, Angel won't be a thing till next season, I feel uh, like. Cordelia. The best. She was making out with a dead person in okay. her car. That was fun. I like that at the very end. Uh, Joyce! What's Joyce doing? Being the worst. Being the worst. Ginny Calendar? She's about to die. Uh, well, we got a couple of All right, a couple other people. Uh, what's Wendell doing? We'll never know. Children no, of Spiders. No. Children of Spiders. Uh, what's the Virgin doing? This is from uh, the Witch. Probably uh, from not Witch. having sex. Not having sex. No, it's... Teacher's Pet. Teacher's Pet. Yeah, yeah. Brody, That's Brody, right. That's right. Behringer, Hunter's name is. Hate everything about this. Billy Palmer. What's Billy doing? Um, Still playing baseball? Not getting or? abused. Maybe you got another <laughs> coach. Who knows? Baseball. When you lose, it's bad. What's Spike doing? Not in the show yet. Uh, we're about to see him, though. Where would Spike be? I don't remember where they came from. Yeah. I'm just excited. Wasn't it like Argentina or something? Isn't Might that been, where, um, not Darla, Drusilla, uh, Drusilla, Drusilla gets yeah. injured? Isn't it like in Chile or something? Oh, yeah. That's right. There's like a, a mob. Oh, in Prague. They were in Prague. Oh. Yeah. In oh. Prague. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Represent. So Spike's Prague's in Prague. Cool. <laughs> What's up? And the very last one, Kelly, for you, what's the anointed doing? He's probably scared and alone in the church. He's probably gone off into his dead. filth and shit. She's <laughs> like, what do I do now? 
can I do I have to still poop in this hole or can I poop in his hole like now in charge of the vampire horde isn't that kind of that's when we see him again in season two he's like has a little gang somehow yeah I roll because he's the anointed one yeah. Okay. So that's that's basically it. I mean, the last thing I want to say is basically I feel like season two forward. I think he gets writers around him that sort of um, understand what he's doing. You get Jane Espison, Marty Noxon, David Fury. Uh, what is it? Uh, David Greenwald, Drew Goddard. Goddard. Yeah. Uh, Marty Noxon starts next season, and there's already an improvement in the show for sure. And then once uh, Jane Espison starts in season know, three, it's, it's like comedy gold just coming it's out perfect. of it. Over it's over. perfection. It's so great. Yeah, I mean, you get people that understand the vision. Twenty-two episode seasons are always tough, so this season's twelve. We're about to go to twenty-two, so we're about to double, up, you know, up even on this podcast. Yeah, it's life on the hill now. Let's face it, none of us are ever going to have a happy, normal relationship. We're doomed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's talk about where we ended up this season as far as rankings. Daniel, as you know, has been just off the cuff ranking these episodes through one through 137 as we've been going along. I have. He did this, but with more like critical thinking, kind of very drunk. No, I definitely have way more thinking. In four years ago, five well, years ago. Well, okay, maybe not with, but with uh, more knowledge because you had your spreadsheet in front of you every time you ranked the episodes yes. that we watched into 2013. Right now, you're just like, eh, I think this. We'd literally watch an episode, and I would just be like, "Is it better than this?" Right. Nope. nope so you don't have that advantage this time. You're no, just, I'm just picking randomly. I'm picking randomly. I'm just picking based on gut feelings. Gut feelings. All right. So Daniel ended up with oh, because you had combined one out of eleven. That's right. Yeah, so 11. So uh, Hellmouth and Harvest are one episode for me. Right. 130 is what you put for the lowest of the season out of all the episodes you picked. 130. Okay. What the episode? Puppet Show. Puppet Show. Okay. Was 122 in 2013. So got a little bit worse. How? The pack. Uh, it was eight worse. I don't know. Oh, it was 122 before. Yeah, so it's 130 now. 115 for the pack. Down from, or up from 126. Up from 126. That's terrible. Sorry, guys. Sorry, station. But above that, <laughs> at 112, out of mind, out of sight, down the biggest drop, 42 points. You ranked it 70 out of 137 oh. in 2013, and it's now 112 out of 137. <laughs> oh. I wrote about you, Jane. 109 currently was 120, so only uh, went up 11 points. Never mind. Oh, nice. <laughs> From oh, I feel like the low ones are going to go up yeah. inherently. The down ones are. This like, is all gonna bite you in the ass later. Oh, it's terrible. I'm it's already, gonna be great. I'm regretting everything I'm doing. 109 for I Robot Eugene was 120, so also up 11 points. Yeah, this is gonna be terrible. For I Robot Eugene went up a lot. Okay. Yep. Uh, Teacher's Pet 102 up from 131. Holy shit! Up 29 points. You're going to rue the day, my friend. But it's cool. I'm I'm saving space for other ones. To, to put lower. To put lower. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Right. So season one, which we all feel overall was a weak season, you're like saving space for the other ones to put right underneath it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, hey, those pet. are low. They're like 130s and shit. That's bad. That's teacher's Pet good. 102 from 131. Yeah. Okay. Nightmares 99. Was 94, so didn't really move See, much that's then. good. Never Kill a Boy on the First Date, 97. Also 97 in 2013. What up? Way to be consistent. <laughs> <laughs> this is always going to be mediocre. Uh, 70... That's a straight 97 episode. I mean, tell me otherwise. 97 in 1997. 97 everything. Hey, oh my God, we're all going to die. Well done. At 74, which, which was 56 before, down 18 points. Oh, that's a big loser. 
That one. Yeah, you did He's like Witch. I don't really like Witch. Yeah, Witch was like on your low end. Yeah. I don't know You're why Witch was me. like. I don't know. I just really don't like it very much. It was three, right? Episode three. Mm-hmm. It's fun. I, I felt three? like it was kind of fun. Yeah, it was just like Pacho, out of nowhere. Yeah. It didn't really know its identity yet. I think that that was its benefit. It was just yeah. like, this is a random fucking show. But I think that was a smart move. <laughs> Not that you knew this, but you <laughs> had it at 56 and you moved it down to 74. Uh, 61 lines. for Angel. I think that's fair. Uh, but down 11 points, you had it even higher. You had it at number 50. 50, yeah. Uh, 39 for the Hellmouth slash the Harvest was 32, so down 7 points. Which, I mean, that, I think that's still pretty high. I mean, you're keeping it around beneath 40. Prophecy Episodes. Girl ranking number one overall That's for my the number season, one of the season, yes. But 36 out of 137 was 33 in 2013, so it went down 3 points. So. Okay. So how do you feel about the poor choices you've made? Uh, I feel great about Never Kill a Boy on the First Date. <laughs> because it's the same. <laughs> exactly. I feel terrible about... Um, what is it, Teacher's Pet? 29 points. I mean, Jesus Christ. That's <laughs> 29 episodes that people have worked hard on. <laughs> that uh, are going to be worse like, than that That I'm just like fucking throwing under the bus. Yeah. Uh, you know, well, actually, in that case, it would be... No, no, that's worse. Yeah, shit. Fuck. Okay. Because <laughs> I have it at 102. I don't feel confident with most of this. <laughs> I feel okay with the best episodes. Like, I feel good about, again, Prophecy Girl, Hellmouth, and Harvest. But... Angel, I mean, it's weird. You know, 61 out of 50, it should have been 50. I mean, it should have been high, but I just... You done goofed, friend. And you're going to have to deal with those consequences. And Puppet Show is bad and Pack is bad. I'm I'm cool with that. (laughs) I'm I'm really excited for the day that we get to beer bad and you have to put it above... Like, I'm saving Angel or something. Right, 137. (laughs) So I've got seven slots under 130 of uh, the Puppet Show. So. Those are, Those are special. That's killed by death, baby. So oh, yeah. We're good. We're fine. Although I'm going to secretly weirdly love that episode. Non-vampire plus two. Hi. Man Buffy. My whole life just flashed before my eyes. I got to get me a life. Any final thoughts for the season, Stacia? No. It's <laughs> <laughs> fair. I do have final thoughts for the season. Thank oh, you for good. asking, Daniel. You're welcome. <laughs> Just kidding. Oh, Jesus Christ. It was good. It was, it was fine. I'm really glad we started this. I'm glad we watched, watched it over again. Can't wait to carry on in season two. September 15th, we will be back for season two. But over the summer, uh, we will be trying to do some different fun and creative things. We might watch the Buffy movie. We might watch some other vampire movies. We might watch Ooh, Game of Thrones. Good. Always keep your foes confused. If they don't know who you are or what you want... They can't know what you plan to do next. Stick around. We, uh, on Twitter and all the social medias, at BeatMePod. That's where we will we'll be announcing what we're doing. So yes. if you aren't subscribed, please do so, because you can also catch all of our episodes by doing that. iTunes, Stitcher, however you get your podcast. SoundCloud. SoundCloud. Um, so that way you'll definitely catch us whenever we do our bonus material. And uh, thanks for the, joining us on this ride. It's been really fun to watch these episodes again with you. It's crazy. I hope you enjoyed it. Stacia, did you enjoy yourself? Yes, I did. Daniel, did you enjoy yourself? Never kill a boy on the first date. My name is Kelly. He's a honey. Thank you for listening. Oh my God, goodbye. Honey, honey, honey.